sounds like the soundtrack to like some comedy like what was the one with uh john candy armed and dangerous doesn't that sound like this i feel like i'm like running away from the cops with meg ryan you're listening to the brand new episode of love of the process this is our thursday catch-up episode that's being recorded on friday because i'm late and this is the sounds of La Avenue, La Avenue. Hey, everybody, what's happening? What's going on? What's new? What's up? Um, wanted to jump on here and do like a short little catch up because uh, I don't know. I got time. Why not? Let's do it. What's up? Uh, let's see what's going on with us. What's going on? Well, I'm getting ready. This weekend is uh, Gina's birthday, so we're about to do some Gina birthday excitements, some celebrational stuff. Uh, she has given us the list of what she wants to do, and in true Gina fashion, they are very specific and uh, very... Uh, <laughs> I think she likes to torture the people that come to her parties, you know? And so we've planned uh, a couple of different things she wants to. One of the things that we're doing is that she wants to <laughs> rent one of those Hollywood celebrity house tour buses, those trashy like TMZ tour buses, and uh, spend two hours getting uh, carted around Hollywood. So I think we're going to be doing that this, this weekend, which will be fun. I'm sure that uh, everybody will show up with their hydration materials, like we'll have water bottles full of hydration fluids that we will uh, use on this tour to make it more exciting. Well, could I be any more uh, non-specific about what that means? Maybe it's a bar safari in some weird way. You know what I mean? Um, so we're going to do that, which will be fun. And then tonight I'm going, well, the things I do for my love. Tonight I am going to, hold on, let me pull it up. Ticketmaster. Uh, there we go. What is this event called? Hold on, hold on. Taking too long to load. Oh, yeah. We're going to Baby Bushka, the Kate Bush experience of your dreams. I'm very excited about it. Can you tell? Yes, both Gina and Ian are huge fans of Kate Bush. And so this is, I think it's like a tribute band or something. So we're going to be going to that tonight, which would be fun. Um, it's going to be a weekend full of, uh, food and booze and craziness. Uh, so I'm just prepping my body and my liver by going out and having food and booze and craziness. Um, yeah, last night, where did we go last night? We went to Italy. That's why I have like indigestion right now. We went to Italy out here in LA, um, and went to Tetro, Teatro, I'm pronouncing it as a, an American dumb boy, but Teatro, I think is what it is. The restaurant that's up on top. Uh, not a bad place. I will say this, mm. and I'm going to say this. I think Italy in Boston is better than Italy in Los Angeles, and it's just the quality of food for some weird reason. I think in general, LA kind of phones it in when it comes to Italian food, and I know that there are people like, oh, but you've never been to the blah, 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 right? 
You've never been to like Dan Testa's or Dan whatever the fuck it's called. I, everywhere that I've been out here for Italian food, um, when they claim it's good, it's okay. And it's so fucking expensive for no good reason, right? Half the time you sit down and someone places a bowl of pasta in front of you and it's like, that's a $38 bowl of pasta. That pasta cost you to make $2 max, right? Egg, flour, tomato sauce. $38. Are you fucking kidding me? So maybe it's just because I'm a Ginzo. I have it in me. But whenever I, whenever you go somewhere and you have what was considered peasant food at one point in time, food that was created, made delicious by people that didn't have the means, right? So they got the worst cuts of meat, the roughest cuts of meat. They brought it together. They figured, hey, guess what? If I throw this on a smoker for this amount of time, it's gonna it's gonna deteriorate it. And the only thing that we can cook over is fire. So that's what we're gonna do. And then through that process, they really fell in love with the smoke flavoring and they became very good at like taking a cut of meat and breaking down all of its connective tissue and cartilage and making it into this delicious fucking thing. And that food should be and has always been very inexpensive, right? You go get fucking tacos. I we went to one of my other favorite bars out here on the east side, we went to Verdugo Bar, which we really like, which is a, sort of like a beer garden, indoor, outdoor kind of vibe bar. Really cool. And what they do, a lot of bars out here do, is they don't have kitchens. They make deals with food trucks. So they have folks that show up. Different food trucks show up during the week. So you have a rotation of food. Smart, actually. It's very smart because then it's always changing up. And uh, we were there the other night, and this couple, this older couple, I think they were Mexican folks, um, but don't quote me on that. They must be, but don't quote me on that. Um, they came in and uh, made really good tacos. They had really great tacos, uh, good uh, asada tacos, uh, good pastor, really good El Pastor tacos. And they were just adorable, the two of them. Um, and he just loved his work. He loved what he was doing. And, uh, you know, he was very meticulous about how he was putting these tacos together. So I got to hang out at the counter with him and talk to him about it. And I said to him, like, dude, it must have taken you hours and hours of prep because taking these rough cuts of meat and cutting them down or cooking them down and making them as delicious and delectable as they are, that takes fucking time. And he's like, yeah, a lot of people don't understand how much time it takes to do this kind of food. You know, we're talking hours and hours of prep, hours of, you know, finding the right meats, putting the right meats into the stew pots, letting them like slow cook, you know, uh, prepping the salsas, prepping the guacamoles. That's a fucking lot of work, dude. When's the last time you made tacos at home? Now, here's a second question. When's the last time you made the ingredients for tacos that you would have just randomly got at Taco Bell? Right. Let's say that you go to Taco Bell. I wish they they no longer have the double decker. That was the only fucking reason to go to Taco Bell. But let's say you go to Taco Bell, right? And just the simple tacos, like maybe you get a Supreme. And by the way, I'm talking about Taco Bell not because I love Taco Bell, because I know that a lot of you listening to the show don't have access to good Mexican, and Taco Bell is what you consider good Mexican food. I get it. I understand it. It's fucking fast food. It is. Not good Mexican food, but I'm just trying to prove a point here, okay? So you go to Taco Bell, and you get 
a couple of Supremes, right? You get like a crunch wrap Supreme, you get a soft chicken taco Supreme, right? And maybe you get some ground beef. Let's just talk about the proteins, right? You have to cook the chicken. You got, if you're doing the chicken right, you're marinating the chicken, you're seasoning the chicken, you're slow cooking the chicken to do it right. And then if you're going to do the same thing with the ground beef, right? You're still seasoning it. You're putting all that together. Then you have to go through the process of cutting up all of the condiments, right? Or all the additionals. So white onions, if you got white onions on that, you got to dice those fuckers up. Tomatoes, you got to dice up. And now you're using hot sauces. Are you using sour creams? Are you using guacamoles? It's a lot of fucking work. And that's to make the simplest version of a taco, right? And so when you start to go places, really good Mexican places, especially out here in LA, but anywhere they have really great Mexican. And there are some spots, you know, outside of Los Angeles that have really good Mexican food as well. And I'm sure I've never been down to Mexico. I would love to really dig deep into, you know, traditional Mexican cuisine. And I'm not just talking like moles or all sorts of really good stuff. That's not true. I was down in like white person's Mexico, which was down in Cabo or whatever. That doesn't really count. But we went off the grid and I had this green chili verde mole that was amazing. But all of these things require so much prep time hard fucking labor prep time. And dude, I do it when I do barbecues and I do big meals, you're on your feet for at least 10 hours, right? To do all this work, right? Prepping things, putting them together. And then these two folks show up, everything's stewed, everything's prepared. They have the little containers full of stuff. They warm up the tortillas on the uh, flat surface on the grill. And then, uh, they fill them and they build them for you. And there's so much love in it, right? Just the stupid shit, like the cut up cilantros and white onions. That's a fucking process, man. And they they know how to dice those things up to be as flavorful as they are. To, 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 they know how to cut through the fat with their, you know, pickled red onions. And all those things take so much time and energy to do. And then you go up and buy a fucking taco and it's like $3. It's crazy to me. That's what the food should be. So when I go to some place that is like, you know, 40 fucking dollars for a plate of pasta, right? You go to a spot and it's like $6 for a fucking taco, a single taco. And you go in there and they don't give a shit. They're making it. It's dry. It's like lax flavor. It's vanilla right? So you go in there and they're like, mm, don't want to get too crazy with these seasonings because, uh, you know. Some fucking rando fucking white dude's going to come in here and be like, what is this? You know what I mean? Um, when you, if I guess my, I don't know how I got off this fucking rant. Welcome to the show and Mike's already into a rant. If you are going to serve street food, do it at a good price. And if you go to a place like, uh, I wish I had the couple's name and I'm such an asshole for not taking down their truck name. They were at Verdugu. They, I'm sure they'll go back. When I was getting my tacos from the guy, I felt bad that it was only $3. So I tried to tip him the equivalent of what I was purchasing because of all the fucking hard work. And it just having a conversation with someone that serves you their food, especially if they love to make it and you talk about the process with them, they are going to respect that and love that and feel appreciated. Um, and maybe, you know, that's what this purpose of this rent is, is 
show appreciation to the people that serve you, to the people that do things for you. Um, and they put their heart and their soul into it. Whether it's making music, whether it's making movies, whether it's making a taco, it's all the same fucking thing. That somebody has decided to change their life path and become very specific about their art and about their creativity and they're making you something from their heart. So just try to have an appreciation for how long it takes. This goes out to the assholes in front of me in line. <laughs> the fucking douchebags that are in front of me in line that are just giving shit to people. Why does it take so long? And how's this? And what's going on? It's like, how do you not have a fucking heart and soul within your the fucking carcass that you walk around in? Drives me crazy. Anyway, yeah, man. So uh, we had great tacos, good beers. Super excited about this weekend. Uh, what else is going on? Um, oh, had a really fun time the other night. I got a random call. So I did an episode earlier, which was called uh, Moving On, after you know dealing with the post-depression of finishing a project and how you uh, you know crash, right? Because you work so hard, you put together something, it's like it's all-consuming whether you're doing a movie or you're building a house, it's all consuming and you finish it and there's a sense of celebration that's done, but you know, the celebration oftentimes is delayed or it just doesn't last as long. Right. And you're just like, oh, okay, cool. Now what? Well, the other night I was uh, battling that sense of depression, right? I was battling the, I'm done, you know, and I got a text. It was late too. I got a text last minute from my buddy, Ryan Spindell. Now, if you don't know Ryan, he's a, a fantastic director. Uh, I've been impressed with his work since I've seen uh, his film, The Mortuary Collection. Sorry, I have indigestion. The Mortuary Collection. And uh, just Ryan has a grasp on how to make scary movies adventurous and fun. He just does. He understands the language that was used by the people that we grew up influenced by the people that you love the people that marvel rips off you know what i mean um he knows the language of cinema and he does such a fucking great job with it um he's a fellow east coaster if you guys haven't heard the episode i don't know what number it is because it's further back i should probably try to i don't know you guys don't want to hear me searching for that episode right Maybe I can just Google search it. Let's see. Hold on. Let's see. What episode was that? Here we go. Nice, man. Episode 141, Respecting the Craft of Horror with Ryan Spindell. Go listen to it, man. It's a great show. Ryan texted me right when I needed it. So if you're listening, I know he listens to the show, man. I needed it at that moment. He texted me and said, hey, man, there's a get-together tonight. I know it's last minute, but it's a bunch of horror people, all horror directors, and horror filmmakers, all getting together. You want to go? And I was like, fuck yeah. I literally like I turned off the boil for some fucking packaged ramen <laughs> on the stove and was like, I'm, I'm getting dressed, man. I'm going to jump in the shower, and I will be there. Um, and it was cool, man. It was fun to go to a bar and hang out with a bunch of peers, a bunch of other 
uh, horror directors and filmmakers that are in the business and, uh, you know, some names that have made movies that you guys have seen that you guys like, they were kicking around, some not, you know, I, whenever I go to these things, I try to be chill, you know what I mean? It's always like, go. it's always a, you know, here's the move. Okay, so when you go and you hang out with other filmmakers, especially if you're a young filmmaker, let me give you some advice. The notion is to go in there and try to cover up your anxiety and your nervousness by just being loud. And you talking all, you, you, you talk about what you're doing and the work you've done and your new projects. And it's you almost end up in a, in a rhythm that sounds like you're in a pitch session, right? Where you're just like, Hey man, what's happening? How's it going? Good. What have you been up to? That question, when you hear that question, that's just an icebreaker question, right? Now, as someone that gets into these conversations regularly, if the response to that is, well, I just shot the show and I got this thing going on, I got this thing going on and I've got these ideas and I've got this really great piece. If that's what first comes out of your mouth, I just sort of go, okay. And I sit back and I go, here it comes. And you just sort of hit me with this pitch session. And I can't help but think when that happens to myself, I go, why, why is this guy pitching? I'm not going to finance any of this shit, right? I, 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 I'm not going to make that stuff happen for you, right? And so I try when I'm in those situations just to be quiet, right? You just sort of sit there and you let the people come through that are going to talk loud and they're going to brag and they're going to do stuff. And it, it's completely obvious to the person that does this. It's completely obvious why you're doing it, right? Because you're feeling insecure, right? You feel like some of the people in the room might, just because you don't know them, you don't know, they might have more experience than you. You have to prove yourself. There's a sense of like having to strut in and prove who you are. Posturing, it's the wolf pack mentality. Who's the alphas? Who's the followers? What's happening? Where do we fall into the situation? I get it. It's interesting to, to, to see this and watch this happen. And when I was being approached by an individual who was just sort of dump trucking all of the stuff on, I just sat back and I was like, okay, and I'm thinking about all this that we're talking about now while he's talking. So I'm kind of listening to what he's saying, but also thinking about all this because he's not even taking a breath like me right now, I'm not even taking a breath that will allow you to say anything. And so you're like, okay, all right, whatever. So he goes through the whole process and then I go, huh? And he rattles off all the stuff that he has done. And I go, sounds like you're really fucking busy, man. Genuinely said that. And he goes, well, not really. Now the conversation gets interesting, right? This is why we're hanging out. I'm not hanging out to hear you brag about all your shit. I'm not here hanging out to, to hear you tell me about all of your plans. I'm, I'm here because I'm looking for a kindred spirit. Whenever you hang out with fellow filmmakers... This is where you get the powerful stuff, right? It's when he goes, ah, not really. And I go, oh, how come? Well, I mean, everything I was rattling off probably happened over the past 10 years or eight years or five years, whatever it was. And I go, yeah, I know what that means. And I go, well, what's really going on? And he goes, well, I'm waiting on this. And I go, isn't that what we do? Isn't that our job? We're professional waiters. <laughs> not the food kind. We're professional waiters. That's what we do. And he laughed. And I said, dude, yeah. And he goes, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I just finished this piece that I did. I'm very happy with it. 
but now I'm done. And now I'm, I've got nothing again. And he goes, I know what that's like. And I go, yeah. And then we start to talk about the stuff that's interesting. How do I, what do you do to fill your time? And what else are you interested in? What have you seen lately? And, uh, oh, I went on this adventure and this was interesting. That stuff's cool to me. And I'm not saying that it isn't fun to talk about your work. And I'm, it's not like I'm not interested in the work, you know. I'm not going to say who it was because I don't know if he wants me to say it on the show, but one of my buddies that was there was telling me that uh, he just finished shooting second unit that day. And that's fucking interesting. The conversation that then ensued was like, do direct, it's always a weird place to be a second unit director because it always feels like the first unit guy's upset with the footage that's coming in. Or they're just upset with the amount of footage that's coming in. It feels like a thankless job. And so then we started to talk about that. And then through the process of that conversation, I started to, to just make a note to myself that when I'm working or choosing or, or uh, inspiring a second unit director, I should be more focused on uh, making sure that we align, trying to find a way to align, and then empowering that person um, to really go off on their own tangent and find really solid things because I'm not there. I'm not there. And so if you're going to work with, oftentimes you're handed a second unit director from producers and they choose those folks. But if you could pick your friend, I would almost rather hire one of my buddies and be like, dude, go do it. Just because we can have that conversation and go like, dude, I want your style. That's why you're doing it. Right? Because so many directors are so concerned about like maintaining their vision and come on, man, my vision is built out of like shit that's brought to me by the people around me. Why would you not do that with a fucking second unit director? Especially someone that mm, might know a little bit more than you do. And if it's somebody that you respect their work, I've heard stories of, of Robert Rodriguez second directing on, on large movies. And uh, can you imagine getting like fucking footage from Robert Rodriguez as a second unit director? Come on, dude. That's amazing. You know? So, Interesting conversation that came from someone coming to say what they just did today, but it felt different. It wasn't a, I'm feeling insecure about my life, so I'm going to tell you about everything, right? So consider that. This goes out to all you young filmmakers out there and even folks that, you know, you are trying to mingle with people because you don't have the experience, you want to get the experience and you show up and you start talking a lot. Try to assess. Like with me, there it takes a. I try to wait a little while. I try to listen to everybody. I try to look around. I try to see who these folks are and who what the pecking order is. And then if you have a conversation with me, I'm kind of a troublemaker. So I will call you out on things, or I'll give you shit about things just to break the ice. It's not because I'm you know a dick. It's just because I like to try to disarm that shield, that insecurity shield, because fuck it, dude, we're all insecure about what we're doing. We all barely know what's going on. So the sooner we get to that meat, that's the purpose, right? How are you surviving? Dude, I'm barely surviving. Okay. What are you doing? All right. It's nice. And if you could find those filmmakers and those friends, and maybe you met them at a film festival, maybe you worked with them on student film projects, maybe 
you know, you had them on your fucking podcast and you just really got along. If you can find those people that you can confide in and trust, they're wonderful assets uh, because they're there to help motivate you and stimulate you when you're at your lowest. They're there to support you. There is nothing better than walking into a room and having your friend who's a respected filmmaker introduce you and say how much he likes your work. That is the coolest thing in the world. Um, so I dude, that Ryan, if you're listening, um, I really appreciate it. And I'm going to say this, like so much stuff happens with our work. So many decisions are made, um, in a blink of a second. And especially with this show and with this podcast, I have lots of people, this isn't a brag. I just have lots of people writing to me all the time. And I try, I try, try, try to answer to as many of them as possible. And you always ask yourself, what if I didn't get back to this person? What if I, um, you know, neglect to respond to somebody? Here's some insider baseball. Uh, Ryan uh, apparently reached out to me uh, years ago and he'll piss him off. I don't even remember. So it apparently he had reached out to me when the show first started and apparently I didn't really respond. And I'm sure I have a hundred reasons why I didn't respond, a hundred excuses of like, I was busy, I was shooting, whatever the fuck. I don't even remember what the reasons were. Um, but because I didn't respond, I think he was slighted by it. And uh, you've brought it up a few times when we hang out, buddy. <laughs> and I apologize every time. I, the truth of the matter is, dude, um, I didn't know. And when I met you or I saw your work, I reached out to you genuinely after watching the Mortuary Collection because I really fucking liked it. And so I reached out to you specifically at that point. And in my mind, that was the first time that we engaged. Um, and uh, I know that that may sound shitty, but you know, the truth of the matter is, is that I don't really remember interactions until I have a real solid interaction, whether it's I see someone's work Oh, we hang out, we have beers, and we really get along. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I feel like shit every time. <laughs> he likes to give shit. So I'll take the shit. I deserve it. I do. You know, but, uh, yeah, I just let it say on the show. I wanted to tail between my legs be like, dude, I didn't, you know, I didn't ignore you intentionally. <laughs> He's going to be listening to the show be like, dude, it's not a really a big deal. <laughs> It's just funny. I was thinking about it. It's just funny how each and every decision that we make, whenever you interact with somebody, whether it's a PA on your set or if it's another director or someone that you respect, um, or if it's someone that you meet in a grocery store, you know, each interaction that you have has consequences. And, um, you know, you, you try to, to be as attentive and as perfect as possible. But you can't. And then so you just have to go, yeah, all right. I'll deal with the repercussions of that. I'll take the shit, man. I get it. But I love you, dude. I love your work. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for inviting me out. I had so much fun talking to you. Uh, new filmmakers, established filmmakers. I'm going to try to get some of those filmmakers that I was hanging out with on the show. We'll talk about some stuff. I've met some fascinating people. Um, so yeah, dude. Very cool. I'm excited. I'm excited. I had um, my buddy, 
uh, Rick Darge, who's another filmmaker. I really respect Rick. And he called me because uh, he saw the new film, Come Home, and he was uh, calling me up to say how much he liked it, which is very much appreciated, dude. And then uh, <laughs> in typical filmmaker fashion, we start talking nitty gritty. How'd you shoot this? And Where'd you get the underwater tank? And Where'd you get that? I love that shit, man. That's that's the fun part. It's like, what? how'd you make this work? And I think the benefit of being friends and being open with people that you respect or peers or folks that you want to be friends with or want to like if you're lucky enough to find a mentor or someone that you're striving to become like the benefit is talking about all of those little nitty-gritty moments and um some sort of level we try to do it on the show i try to replicate what that's like through the conversations that we have on the show. Like I try to make you feel like you are also invited to an event or a filmmaker hangout. And through the process of the interview, try as quickly as possible to cut through the bullshit and to make it real. Um, and uh, the show has been crushing. I'm excited about all of our new listenership. Uh, I'm very appreciative to the sponsors of the show. And I am absolutely in love with the super fans of the show. Uh, we just put out a call. I am getting a select few of you super fans out there who have been responding. You guys have seen or are watching and viewing right now the new movie and giving me your feedback and notes, and it has been fantastic so far. So I'm very happy and excited about that. Um, yeah, man. That's what's going on with everything right now, man. I just wanted to jump on here and say hello. Um, stand by because we have some great episodes coming. We have a great episode coming next week with a comic book writer and a screenwriter. I have to cut that and edit that in time. Um, I just recorded an episode uh, with a great musician from the synthwave scene, one of the biggest in the scene. Uh, that episode will be coming in a week or two as well. Um, and uh, I've got a bunch more lined up on the way. So stick around hang out, be a part of the show. When's the last time you suggested this show to some friends of yours? Do so. Please send more people over here. And uh, let me know if you guys want a t-shirt. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to do some t-shirt sales. I'm promising I'm going to do some. So that is also coming as well. All right, that's it, man. I'm ranting and raving and rambling. Let's get out of here. I'll leave you with the track. And uh, as always, I will be back next Tuesday. See you.